Hello out there, my friends. It is I, Hondo Onaka. Now you know what to do. You must tune in to my favorite podcast, The Five-ish Fangirls. Otherwise, there could be consequences. The tenders of squeak continue all the way to episode 348 of the Five-ish Fangirls podcast. Well, if Steven Spielberg isn't uh, isn't available, get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Five-ish Fangirls podcast. So glad you could join us. Let's start off like we do work with a virtual table and see who's joined us this week. This is Chrissy in Salt Lake City. This is Sally from Wisconsin. This is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hello, everyone. Hello. I had to paraphrase Mr. Burns there because I don't have a Smithers (laughs) with me. (laughs) And neither Holly or I are very good Smithers. Yeah. (laughs) Smithers. No. No. But that line's just so funny. I would probably fail. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That line is just so funny. I gotta make it work. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. It seems our profits have dropped 37%. I'm afraid we have a bad image, sir. Market research shows people see you as something of an ogre. I ought to club them and eat their bones. <laughs> well, maybe this film festival could help us. A film biography might let them get to know the real you. Virtuous, heroic, nubile. You left out pleasant. <laughs> But I like that film biography idea. A slick Hollywood picture to gloss over my evil rise to power like Bugsy or Working Girl. Get me Steven Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Alrighty, well, let's do the news. Not a whole lot of news, but it's good news. Uh, As we alluded last week. Yeah, because we knew it (laughs) was coming was the uh-huh. new trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, some new stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some stuff we- we've already seen. <laughs> and some things that uh, that sent the uh, theorists and, well, I want to say conspiracy theorists into a frenzy, but we don't do yeah. that here. Yeah. No. Although... Is it? My mom saw it and she's just like, Am I going to have to rewatch some of the older stuff? I'm like, Yeah. Uh-huh. She's like, Do you have it in reach? I'm just like, Give me five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need to rewatch, actually, watch, because I never actually watched it, the one with Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I haven't actually mm-hmm. seen him as Electro, so <laughs> knowing that he's in it, I'm like, yeah, I should probably brush up on that character. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, but oh, it looks so good. Uh-huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna and be going around telling everyone to Scooby Doo this crap. So, <laughs> yes, <you know>. please. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know magic too. <laughs> Please, oh. thank you are the magic words. <laughs> yes, but Scooby Doo that that this crap is now like my favorite <laughs> phrase. So yes, but yeah, I at this point 
that should be like the last like big trailer because now we're less than a month out. Uh, so well, at this point, it's, it's going to be it's going to be little snippets and commercial yeah. spots. So I don't want to see anymore. I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> given given what was in the la, trailer, la, 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 and la, la. like how much. Uh, you know how much was was it was was there and what they showed and even something yeah. didn't show. Yeah, um, so things they didn't show that people are assuming are you know certain characters, certain people uh, who haven't shown their faces yet. That people are like, "Where is Blan?" Like they're not going to show everything. Where you know, is X? They, Don't ask us yeah. why. And if they <laughs> yeah. did, it's like, well, what's the point of you know? giving you the yeah exactly you know, what's, the like, point, what's the point of seeing the movie if all you're gonna if it's all gonna be in the trailer so exactly exactly it's like if you're really desperate to see andrew garfield's face right now go over to netflix and watch tick tick boom because <laughs> that's really good <laughs> and he's definitely yes. in it <laughs> yes. So. yes i know i know it's fun to like get riled up and be like oh it's happening and and whatever but you know it's 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 coming guys like you don't have that much time to wait yeah all will be revealed it is you know in a in in honor of well i don't know if it's an honor given what i given what some of the the things i've heard about the show so far but uh in honor of wheel of time the amazon series dropping and kind of being a wet fart <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, I will I will quote Robert Jordan as saying, read and find out. Well, this is watch and find out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm in a bit of a mood. I was watching a uh, mm-hmm. YouTube uh, review of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and it's a channel that I normally enjoy, but they got right off the bat they were just crapping on the movie and i'm like and done come on (laughs) so now (laughs) like obviously we did not watch the same movie so bye (laughs) it kind of pause unsubscribe unfollow like (laughs) oh yep bye (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah you know you know you know People, people get you know. People complain about, oh, you're just unfollowing, unfriending, whatever, because you just don't like what they're, you just don't agree with what they say, and you're just like, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, we've disagreed. I've we've disagreed on the quality of movies in the past, and it's never yes. been an issue. So it's just this right. particular mm-hmm. time. It's like the, right off the bat, they were just crapping all over it. Like you, like mm-hmm. they're not even giving it a chance, or like finding right. anything nice to say about it so. yeah well it, they've already made up their mind to hate exactly. it so mm-hmm. that's their problem yep so i mean it's i mean you're allowed to not like things right but you're also you know you also kind of need to let people not let be a people, sourpuss yeah let people like yes, things yes. just because you don't like it and someone else does doesn't mean that you're that, that either of you are bad people i'm kind of getting tired of this whole oh you liked x or you didn't like x therefore you are a uh, fill in the blank don't Whatever. rain on somebody else's parade please you know, don't here, piss here. in somebody else's Cheerios. <laughs> while while, while yeah. we're quoting, I was, while we're, I was going for the more 
polite way. I was thinking what you yeah, said. Yeah, but at the moment, I feel like someone pissed in my Cheerios. Yeah. So I'm well, while it. we're while we're you know quoting other creators, let's go to MST3K for a minute. It's just a movie. You should really relax. Yeah, really, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, <laughs> back to more pleasant things in theory uh so uh disney um had destination d uh or destination d23 which is kind of their miniature version of d23 expo mm-hmm. um, that's in florida because d23 expo is in anaheim um right. so they had their thing um which looked like a lot of fun um but of course, we got some announcements related to the parks and resorts. Some of this is stuff we already knew, but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, the new attraction at Epcot, is set to open next summer. Um, and uh, we got a fun little video. <laughs> Uh, from Glenn Close <laughs> in full Nova Prime hair and makeup, letting everyone know that she, as Nova Prime, will be part of the attraction. So um, apparently uh, the description is guests will enter the new Wonders of Xandar Pavilion via the Galaxarium and proceed through the Xandar Gallery. Where they learn more about the Xandarian people as well as the similarities that connect Earth and Xandar. Fascinating. Which mildly reminds me of the Captain America attraction that I created back at college. I'm like, dang it! <laughs> you're like, you're like, hey Disney. By the way, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Disneyland Paris is going to be celebrating its 30th anniversary. Uh, starting next year. Um, that will kick off March 6th, 2022 with new shows, entertainment, and decor. Just like they have done with all the other anniversaries of the other Disney parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, new costumes. Um, but they're also getting a version of Avengers Campus that will be mm. welcoming guests next summer. So, uh, it's the next chapter of the Global Avengers Initiative. So I guess it's not going to necessarily be a exact copy of the one that's out in California, but it's, I guess, Avengers Campus Paris Edition. Uh, but well, that connects uh, really well to the recently rethemed Disney Hotel New York, the art, which is now Disney Hotel New York, the art of Marvel. Which, if somebody wants to send me to Paris, I will not say no. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. <laughs> and wants to put heck me heck in, heck. in, you know, the Art of Marvel Hotel. <laughs> Seriously, I, I wouldn't say no either. Yeah. Trip to Paris? Sure. Yep. Sure. Like Eiffel Tower, to, whatever. Arc de Triomphe, just need whatever. To track down my passport, renew it, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is true. I. I, I'm, I think my yeah my passport's expired by now. I think mine's still good. <laughs> <laughs> I can go. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so uh, the uh, Disney Wish, which is the newest cruise ship, um, which will start sailing next year, I think, um, uh, is uh, they talked about the two new shows that uh, are going to be on that specific ship, which it can vary ship to ship, but there's usually like one like Disney, not necessarily IP specific, but includes Disney characters show. And then there's usually one show that's essentially a scaled down Broadway Disney show. Mm -hmm. um, so in this case, the Disney Wish is going to have uh, C's, S-E-A-S, the adventure uh, <laughs> with Goofy as the main character and uh, a uh, cruise ship stage sized appropriate version of the Little Mermaid. So that sounds like fun. Yep. I want uh, to see that. <laughs> yeah, my last Disney cruise, it was frozen, which was appropriate because we were in Alaska. Oh, well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh. Um, let's see. The Disneyland Hotel out in Anaheim is getting uh, some upgrades, including a new tower. So even more rooms for people to stay. And we'll also have a new pool and recreation area. So... That's cool. Um, and then there were also some sneak peeks of the Frozen theme land coming to Hong Kong, the Zootopia theme land coming to Shanghai, and Fantasy Springs, which is going in Tokyo Disney Sea. And then also people got to look at the new Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which is the Star Wars immersive, all-inclusive themed hotel that is opening next spring. Plus they're doing some just general like upgrades and updates to things like Toontown and Downtown Disney at Disneyland. So. Exciting things coming. I need to plan a trip to somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is I want to be like 12 places at once. <laughs> I know you need your own, your you need your own I have jet. like plan like A, B, C, and D at this point. So uh, I need a time turner or something. Mm -hmm. Something um, that's it for the news for the most part. A little bit of housekeeping, tangentially other podcast related stuff. Uh, my episode of Set Lusting Bruce is now out in the feeds. Uh, so you can go listen to Very nice. uh, me and Jesse talk about, um, Weird Al and Metallica. 
<laughs> Mostly. It, it so. was a great conversation. Thanks. And you can listen to nice my 20 minute tangent. <laughs> you can listen to, I, I'm exaggerating. I don't think it's 20 minutes. It's more like five, but you can listen to yes. like what seems like a 20 minute tangent to story to get to how the one, you know, my white whale Metallica song I have got to hear. (laughs) (laughs) And also hear about how I asked Weird Al to my prom when I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It's a fantastic lesson. (laughs) Yeah. So go go check that out, y'all. Yep. Yep. And then in the uh, Patreon feeds, uh, this month's Patreon uh, episode of Gold Standard is now out. So we talk about the 2005 Academy Award Best Picture nominee, Brokeback Mountain. Hmm. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can go listen to that. That was quite a discussion. <laughs> so I imagine so. I can imagine. Yeah. Both of the film itself and whether it should have won. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. It should have won. So I don't think our opinion is gonna change when we get to two thousand five either. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not playing your hand at all there, huh? <laughs> oh, not at all. No, because we've already talked about one of the other nominees. Uh, good night and good luck. Okay. And oh, okay. my opinion has not changed. Um, actually, Zan's did uh, for mm. back when we talked about good night and good luck and what she thought should have won that year. So, <laughs> just listen. All right. Oh, uh, oh. Feedback from Shalane, of course. Uh, touching on a number of things. Uh, uh, she mentions uh, Disenchanted, the Enchanted sequel that's coming. Apparently, both James Marsden and Dina Menzel are also going to be uh, reprising their characters, and Al Mankin and Stephen Schwartz are going to be doing the music again. Which would make sense. Um. She says she's also excited for the things that are coming to Disney that were going to be on Disney Plus that we talked about. Um, like Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, Agatha, all the Marvel stuff, Obi-Wan, Baymax, Tiana, Zootopia. Um, all of the things. Um, uh, so something she says she forgot to mention in her last feedback about Percy Jackson is did we know that Disney is going to be doing a TV series uh, based on Percy Jackson. Now that she mentioned it, I remember hearing something about this. It's, uh, well, it's one of those things I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm -hmm. Well, that it's, you know, good. (laughs) But yeah, I'm like, oh, I've been, we've been burned so many times, everybody. It's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to trust after that, but we're gonna find out. Yeah, it's like I'll see it when it actually happens. Yep, and then we'll see if it's actually any good. Those are two mm-hmm. different things. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, and then she says uh, she has read one of the Spiderwood Chronicles books, and she said, yes, Nickelodeon did do a movie about it um, in the 90s. And then Disney took the rights to it, just like they did with Doug. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting, like, looking back, because I loved watching Doug on Nickelodeon when I was a kid. And then, you know, Disney ended up with it. And the two shows... You know, the two versions of the show are very different, but I like them for different reasons. So it's, you know, it, it's like, it's not always a bad thing. And sometimes, like, nothing really, I mean, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's it's kind of like, oh, it's, this is this is fine. This is cool. So I'm like, let's, let's hope, let, let, I'd like to hope for something like that, but uh, it's a little dicey these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just weird thinking about the things that Disney has owned over the years that I equate with other mm-hmm. you know, major studios and or networks. So it's like right. Doug and yeah. the Power but, Rangers. Oh, Disney owns that now? <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> so well, and Power like, Rangers is, is kind of bopped around. Yes. For, you know, Disney had it. Well, let's see. It started on Fox. Yes, mm-hmm. turn on Fox, mm-hmm. and then it was in, and I, and I lost track of it until I was. So did Haim Saban. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then well, then all of a sudden it was on Disney, and I was like, "What now?" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, huh. it got sucked into a vortex with the doctor, probably for a little bit. Probably, yeah. yeah. It was that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Um, talking about uh, Eternals. Uh, nothing spoilery, so don't worry. Um, so uh, she she says she's her favorites were Cersei, Sprite, and Kingo. Plus Kingo's valet, you know, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, she says she never thought that Angelina Jolie would be in a Marvel movie. Like at this point, every Everybody is going to be in a Marvel yeah, movie. It's, it's yeah, it's one of those things. Give it's them like, time. Yeah, it's just, it's gonna, every, you know, everybody's gonna be like, to their agent, get me on a, get me on a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, Keanu Reeves even said, yep, if they offer, I'm on in. Like, yep. okay. Yeah. I want to be in a Marvel movie, so, you know. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, here, I'll just, I'll, you know, be, I'll, I'll, I'll be one of the, you know, people running away from the aliens or something. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and whatever superhero swoops in to, to fight. I'll just, you know, you'll be able to see my hand in the letterbox copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, or, Rachel, you'll get this. Or we'll be the, we'll be the fans that have their own podcast at stock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, she mentions that um, she thought that uh, uh, Barry Keoghan, who plays, uh, I can't think of his name now, the one with the mind control powers. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh shoot! Yeah, yeah, Durin, yeah. Dur- Dur- yeah, something that starts with a D. Um, Durian, yeah, yeah, something like that. 
sorry, <laughs> I need to go see it again. <laughs> so there's a lot, there's a lot of characters mm-hmm. to keep track of. Um, um, but she had mistaken him for, uh, I think Ezra Miller. Is that who it is? That's the Flash in the DC yes, movies. Yes. He's the one in Fantastic oh, Beasts. Yes, Druig. Ezra Miller is Druid. the one in the Fantastic Beast movies. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, they do look an awful lot alike, though. So I can totally see yeah, how it's be a, a thing. Yeah. Well, well, shoot! Like today at the library. Oh crap! Who was it? I I swear this guy walked in and I I thought it was um. Who's the guy who plays the the guy in Rogue One? that builds the Death Star or designs it. Who's that actor? Oh, um shoot thing. Anyway, he looked like he looked like a discount version of that guy. No. <laughs> I, I, it, it did, I had to do a double take because I just kind of saw him out of the corner of my eye and I was like, wait a minute. Oh. Well you look an awful lot like him. You're not him, but you look yeah. like him. <laughs> and I'm totally blanking on, on that actor's name right now. Yeah, I know um, who you're talking about. Mads Mickelson? Him, yes, yes. Thank you. That's You're it. welcome. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, huh? That well, guy that plays the bad guys and everything, <laughs> except yeah. except Rogue One. <laughs> well, he works for the bad guys in Rogue One, but then he, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Splitting hairs. He's the one who. Yes. He's the one who helped with the flaw. <laughs> yes. yes. Fix that forty-year-old plot hole. Thank you very and, much. And millions, uh, millions of internet geeks were silenced. Yes, <laughs> sort of. Mm-hmm. And there were some of us that were cheering. And said, yes. Yep. <laughs> They're like, okay, we'll shut up now. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then Shalane followed up that email with another email that says another thing I forgot about Eternals. Uh, she loves the flashbacks and how it blends well into the story, very much like the storytelling they do in Shang Chi. Might be a thing they're going for now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you like, Chauncey and I had this discussion after he watched Shang Chi, um, and how we've spent so long with the same characters over and over and over, essentially, um, that we haven't needed like a f- full-on origin story in so long right and mm-hmm. the characters that they're using now are more obscure than your captain america's and you know people thought iron man was obscure when they made the first iron man movie because like you know hulk spider-man you know captain america but it's like compared to like guardians of the galaxy or like shang chi iron man's not that obscure um so yeah, i mean I, i'd at least heard of iron man exactly you know, back, back when the movies had mm-hmm. come out yeah but so I mean, guardians of the galaxy i mean and they and they you know <coughs> poked fun at themselves in the trailers we're all like who yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly um so but now these characters like shane chi and the eternals who maybe aren't as main you know even more obscure and um so the you know you've only got you can only cram so much background you know in there without really dragging a movie down so having like these little flashback scenes really helps mm-hmm. um so instead of just telling everyone oh this person did this and blah blah blah, blah and the, you know this is their life story you know you can have them now doing things and you know something coming up and it prompting a flashback and that fills in that gap so yeah 
I mean, it's a tried and true storytelling device where you're like, oh, we mentioned something that you have no knowledge of. Let's do a quick flashback and fill that in. So Yeah. Well, it works. It works. Exactamundo. So, all right, cool. Thank you, Shalane, for your feedback. Always. So, let's get to this week's main topic. Move stuff so I can get to my notes. Like I have my handwritten notes and the five million links that will be in the show notes. <laughs> you are welcome. So very much uh, like we did uh, what a couple years ago, I think. At this point, when we did the John Williams right, yeah, uh, retrospective, uh, we're doing the other half of that super duo. <laughs> Essentially, because <laughs> wherever John Williams goes, Steven Spielberg is probably not too far behind. Um, but it also just so happens that Steven Spielberg is turning 75 next month. So it's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, West Side Story is getting ready to open up, uh, which is this another is thing true. Shalane mentioned in her feedback. She thought maybe we would talk about West Side Story, but we've already done that on Gold Standard. So you can go listen to that. Um, the OG version. So, um, but yeah, so Steven Spielberg, you know, new movie coming out very shortly. His updated version of West Side Story, hopefully nobody will be in brown face, uh, which automatically makes an improvement. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's also turning 75, which is kind of a big deal. So mm-hmm. we thought we would uh, take this opportunity to talk about the guy who... Uh, most considered the godfather of summer blockbusters. So all these movies that we talk about, we love like the MCU and star Wars, Mm -hmm. you know, the blockbuster films, blockbusters, especially summer ones were not really a thing until he came along uh, with a certain fishy movie. We'll get to that. Yes. (laughs) He also happened to pull along a certain composer who we've done a Mm -hmm. podcast episode or two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so this would be a good companion piece if you want to go listen to our John Williams episode. (laughs) Because John's going to come up at least once or twice (laughs) during this discussion. Mm -hmm. So, Which is, Uh, you know, it's always it's always just fascinating that, you know, they talk people talk about, you know, Spielberg is known for his his, um you know, his, his stories about, you know, whimsy and fantasy and all those kinds of things. And I'm like, you know, John Williams is kind of, um, he's, he gets a lot of, he should have a lot of credit for that too. But yes, it, it, the, the, the two creators definitely go hand in hand mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. storytelling and Williams with the music. Yep. But, yeah. Yep. Very much so. So Steven Allen Spielberg was born on the 18th of December, 1946, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, He was the oldest of uh, four kids. He's got three younger sisters. He's the only boy. Uh, So his sisters, Anne, Sue, and Nancy. Um, His mother, Leah, um, 
was uh, works in the restaurant industry and was also a concert pianist. And then his father, Arnold, um, was an electrical engineer who worked um, in the development of computers, but then also worked in um, on the side. Uh, he also worked on uh, television. Uh, so, uh, so Stephen learned about TVs <laughs> early on, <laughs> um, and. Uh, if the last name was not a giveaway, yes, they are Jewish. Uh, so his family was Orthodox Jewish. His paternal grandfather's uh, grandparents were Ashkenazi Jews from the Ukraine, um, settled in Cincinnati in the early 1900s. Um, so um, they lived in Cincinnati until 52, where they moved to Haddon Township, New Jersey, after his father was hired by RCA. Hence the TV connection. Yes, which back in the day, RCA was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. They were one of the foremost. Yeah, uh, and this was of, early days yeah. of people having televisions in their homes. Yes. yes. It, it, I mean, nowadays it's like, you know, RCA is kind of an old school, old, you know, old brand. Like nobody really has. I don't even know if they're still around or not. But, you know, if you, when you had an RCA TV, that was like. Oh boy, you were mm-hmm. you were you were loving life, mm-hmm. living the high life. Yep, yep. Um, he taught or uh, Spielberg attended Hebrew school from 1953 to 1957, um, and then the family moved again to Phoenix, Arizona. Um, which, in a speech that I have linked in the show notes, uh, Stephen would tell you as a teenager in Phoenix, Arizona. Not a whole lot to do. (laughs) It has changed considerably since then. But Mm. yes. Back then. Not so much. The the Western United States kind of, you know, the the East was all built up and everything. And and it kind of took some time for for, uh, things to get built up just as much over here. Yeah, because getting to the West Coast was not easy. No. No. Um, but, uh, Stephen did uh, have a bar mitzvah when he, when he turned 13, um, and, um, he, he is, does have familial connections to the Holocaust. Um, according to Stephen, his father lost between 16 and 20 relatives in the Holocaust. Um, and apparently it was a common topic in the household, um, so, um, which made things, he says, uh, in, in a quote, he says, it's not something, it isn't something I enjoy admitting, but when I was seven, eight, nine years old, God forbid me, I was embarrassed because we were Orthodox Jews. Uh, says he was embarrassed by the outward perception of his parents' Jewish practices. He wasn't really ashamed to be Jewish, but it was uneasy. And he did get teased and bullied in in high school uh, because of it. Um, he was a not a popular kid at all. Picked last for like everything. Um, well, when you when you stand out for any any sort of reason, yeah, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you are you are a prime target. Unfortunately, and that's just it is what it is. 
yeah human mm-hmm. humans aren't very good at at uh at uh mixing with with other with with other people which you know that's a different topic for another day but yeah mm-hmm. yep. i get it <clears throat> yeah so um at the age of uh six or seven ish um uh his dad took him to his very first movie he had never seen a motion picture before he never even been to a motion picture theater before um so he was quite enthralled at first he was mad because he thought he was going to the circus (laughs) turns out when his dad told him he was gonna go see lions tigers and bears and all the circus accoutrement he didn't mean the actual circus he meant cecil b de mill's uh, best picture winner the greatest show on earth which we have also covered on gold standard um already and is one of those movies of like why in god's green earth did they give best picture to this movie um uh, but steven loved it <laughs> so especially the train crash that is kind of towards the climactic end of the film um and when he got home uh he begged his parents for a train set and proceeded to recreate that train crash breaking his trains multiple times (laughs) he'd crash them together break one train take it to his dad and be like it's broken and his dad would be like okay whatever you fix it and then he'd do it again, break the other train, take it to his dad, and be like, okay, I'm going to fix this one because it's a different one. Break these again, though, kid. I'm like, you know, I'm taking these trains away from you. And he's like, okay. But he, he just... time! Yeah, he was just like, I was so enthralled. He's like, I just so wanted to, like, see these, see this train crash again. And it occurred to him that if he filmed it, he could just watch the film over and over again. <laughs> so that was when he made his first film, quote unquote film, was filming his trains crashing together um, in his own version of the train wreck in The Greatest Show on Earth. Thankfully, when he filmed it, the trains did not break. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, But uh, he uh, once he got his hands on the family home, camera which i think at that point i think it was probably eight millimeter um you know he was kind of hooked <laughs> and would start uh filming as much stuff as possible he joined the boy scouts um and would take the camera on the camping trips and uh film he ended up earning his photography merit badge by making a nine minute eight millimeter film called the last gunfight because um, they did not have a still camera, so he went to a scoutmaster and he's because the as far as the merit badge was concerned, you're just taking official photos. Um, but he went yeah. to the scoutmaster and he's like, Can I do a film and still in this marriage badge? And the scoutmaster's like, Yeah, I guess so. So that's exactly what he did. Um and there was no stopping him there. <laughs> so by the time he was 13 and had that bar mitzvah. Uh, he had made a 40-minute war film called Escape to Nowhere, um, hmm. which he actually entered in a statewide competition and won first prize. Wow. Yeah. 
So he figures by the time uh, by the time he entered high school, he probably made 15 to 28 millimeter adventure type films. Um, so uh, and then, you know, once he discovered going to cinema, going to the cinema, that's also something he did. So, um, yeah, you know, he saw, a, you know, a lot of the movies that, that came out like God, my favorite i say with the most sarcasm ever lawrence of arabia which is one of his <laughs> favorites of all time sand. so much sand uh, steven i love you so much but uh, um but there, there, there's, a, there's a reason there's a reason that he is a he is a world-renowned filmmaker and, and i'm not, not. <laughs> yes <laughs> That is true. <laughs> I'm just a personally renowned film watcher. Well, there you go. Uh, so, uh, but yeah. Um, and then uh, um, he, you know, went to high school in the early 60s. Um, and then in 63, he wrote and directed his first independent feature-length film, a 140-minute science fiction film called Firelight, um, which his dad actually funded, he loaned him the money for, it was like five, $600. Um, they ended up showing it at a local theater and made back that money in one night. Wow. Yep. Kind of, kind of nice when you, you know, you spend all this money to make a movie, and then you know the first night it's out, it's like, okay, here I'm going to pay you back, <laughs> and then everything else you just get to keep. Yes, <laughs> more or less. I mean, the, the yeah. sign of sign of his potential that would be coming in the future <laughs> too. So, um, so the following summer he had a unpaid assistant job at Universal Studios um, in their editorial department, which even after his like internship or whatever ended, he still um, used his uh, pass, which was now technically expired, to go back onto the lot, uh, because he'd been coming and going while he was working there and the you know, guard at the gate began to recognize him so mm-hmm. you know he just walked back in like he was still working there they let, they let him right back in he just wandered around looking at stuff he ended up wandered onto the set of I forget which Hitchcock film it is but Hitchcock was there making a movie <laughs> so eventually they caught on and threw him out but <laughs> well you know yeah <laughs> um and then um, he moved to, his family moved again, this time to Saratoga, um, where he ended up graduating high school. And then his parents divorced. Um, his mom and sisters remained in Saratoga. He moved with his dad to Los Angeles. Um, he was not the best student in high school. Um, so every college and university that he applied to that had a film and or tv program turned him down because his grades weren't good enough uh so he ended up uh going to california state university long beach as a english major (laughs) because they did not have a 
film and or TV program. And his dad told him he should have backup. And, you know, if he studied English, he could become a teacher, which is a respectable form of employment. Um, his college career, though, did not last <laughs> uh, because he Big somehow. Shocker. Yeah. Um, he somehow made a connection at Universal, probably because of his, you know, internship previous there. Um, so he somehow he got someone at Universal to give him the okay to write and direct a short film that would be released theatrical, theatrically. That was the 26 minute, 35 millimeter film Amblin. And uh, studio vice president Sidney Scheinberg um, was so impressed that he offered Stephen a seven year directing contract. Ooh. Which made him the youngest director to be signed to a long term plan with a major Hollywood studio. Because oh, this is 1968. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I mean. He's at 22. Some, <laughs> uh, at some point, if, uh, you know, if, you know, the boss likes what you're doing, you know, you make, you know, college isn't necessarily for everybody. And, you know, you get a job, the boss likes what you're doing, and they hire you, it's like, cool. So. That is true. Good. And good that's job. exactly what happened. He ended yep. up dropping out. Um, and accepting the offer. Um, although he would go back to college in 2002 and complete his degree. <laughs> just, so, just so he could show his kids that, you know, like, just because you stopped doesn't mean you can't finish it. So. Well, and by then it's like, eh, why not? I got the money. I got the time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, um, so yeah, he's got a contract with Universal for television, which, you know, is not film, but it's something. And it, it did allow him to hone his skills, uh, because he did not have a lot of technical expertise, um, under his belt. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, he cut his teeth in television doing, uh, episodes of uh, shows like Night Gallery and Columbo and Marcus Welby, MD. And <laughs> most of these TV shows, I don't know the name of. I recognize Columbo. Um, so, um, but um, he did uh, a good enough job that Universal was like, okay, we're going to sign you to do. T made for TV movies, which is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, his first was a movie called Duel, which was uh, released in 1971, um, which is about a psychotic tanker truck driver who chases a terrified salesman down a highway. It apparently oh, is actually quite good. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and they were quite happy with it. So his others were mixed, uh, but Duel actually did uh, well enough that they actually had him shoot, do pickups, shoot extra scenes so they could be released in, in, on to international markets. So, 
Hmm. Um, uh, so that gave him enough clout to finally get the opportunity to do his first theatrical film um, with Universal, The Sugarland Express, hmm. which is a crime drama film starring Goldie Hawn. It's about a husband and wife trying to outrun the law, uh, trying to get uh, custody of their kid back uh, from foster care. Apparently, it's based on true story. Um, had fairly positive reviews, even though it was not a huge box office success. Uh, but it did get best screenplay at the 1974 Cannes Film Festival. Nice. So not bad um and that would also that also marks the uh first collaboration of steven spielberg with john williams mm -hmm. <laughs> and thus a collaboration was born <clears throat> uh so based on that success um the Producers at Universal, Richard Zanuck and David Brown, decided let's give this kid a chance with uh, something else. And that movie was Jaws. Yep. We're going to need a bigger boat. Mm -hmm. Which was the little film that could yeah. <laughs> and it almost didn't and almost didn't, yeah. didn't this movie had so many issues you would have thought mm -hmm. it was cursed you would have thought it was the exorcist or the twilight movie or something the twilight zone movie not the twilight vampire movies but the twilight zone movie um mm. that's a different podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cursed for a whole other reason Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this movie just this was Steve. This was like Steven's first like you know quote unquote big budget movie. Although the budget was four million dollars, um, you know, it was his first movie of this type of this scale. Um, and uh, he realized really quickly that uh, for all of his uh, bravado, thinking he knew everything about filmmaking, he didn't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it goes. You know, you, 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 you practice, you cut your teeth on all these different things, you think you're ready, then they hand you the keys to the car and you're just like, I don't know nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's how you learn, kids. Yeah, you can do all the training and all the studying and all the practice and all the interning, but until you are actually the person in charge and you've got to, you know, take care of everything and the buck stops with you, that's when you that's when you learn how to do it, guys. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, the uh there were multiple full-size mechanical sharks built for different types of uh camera shots um they the platform using to tow a couple of those sharks capsized as they were being loaded into the water <laughs> which caused them to float all the way at the bottom <laughs> they had to retrieve it um 
it was the sharks just did not work <laughs> for a number of reasons. The skin used on the sharks was supposed to be non-absorbent. Yeah, they absorbed everything the minute they were put in the water. <laughs> The uh, pneumatics and all the electronics and everything just absolutely fritzed because they didn't consider that they were filming in salt water. Mm-mm. Which water and electricity don't mix anyway, but there are ways you can make it work. Yeah, salt you- water is a whole other ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you add salt to electricity. Well... We found out that found that out the hard way last night. Well, not last night, yesterday. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh no! Well, uh, the 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 heating element on our on our stove. Jared was cooking an omelet, like for lunch, mm-hmm. and the heating element on our stove shorted out, and Ooh. it arced through. It, it put a hole through the frying pan. And there's a oh, little boy. there's a there's a black smudge on the ceiling right above that. Oh boy. So yeah, and you know, there's spices and salt and other things in there. So that didn't help. Everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. Damage was minimal. We lost a frying pan, and we had to replace the heating element. We came out ahead. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if everyone's been a lot al- worse. Yeah, if yes. everyone's alive, I call that a win. Yes, mm-hmm. which we do. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's just funny. Like, oh yeah, electricity, salt. <laughs> Guess yeah. what happened to us? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, a lot of a lot of the issues with the shark yep. um, ended up causing the budget to go from four million to nine, which even now these days like nine million dollars is like that just, that's like nothing. Uh, <laughs> but at the time um, was a lot. Um, so, um, but. Uh, that among other th- among other things, there's issues with sharks um, because they were filming at Martha's Vineyard, which is you know a public location that it really anybody could go to. <laughs> so they were getting boats drifting into the camera shots that weren't supposed to be there. Cameras were getting wet that weren't supposed to get wet. I mean, they built. Uh, rigs for some of the cameras so that they could shoot underwater. Um, but some of the cameras that weren't supposed to get wet were getting wet. Um, the Orca, which is the boat that the characters use, started to sink at one point with the actors on board. Uh, <laughs> so um, uh, the uh, one of the sharks uh, got it, the like sled that it was on would get caught in seaweed. Because uh, part of the reason why they were filming there at Martha's Vineyard is that they can go so far. There's a good stretch where they can go far, so far out. Um, and it's like 35 feet deep or something like that. So they could get pretty far out and not be like in super deep open water. Uh, but there's things like seaweed. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, that can sometimes cause more snags than what you'd actually think they could. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, at one point, um, who's the guy? Um, uh, Carl Gottlieb, who plays Meadows, almost got decapitated. Oh. Yep. Yikes. By uh, 
the boat propellers. Uh, Richard Dreyfus almost got stuck in a steel cage. Uh, most of the actors frequently got seasick. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, okay, this is your first big movie. You decide to film with, you know, ocean, water, boats, all mm-hmm. these things that are just like, what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, Spielberg, I get it. You're kind of this, you know, go big or go home. It's your first movie, dude. But I, you know, I guess trial uh-huh. by fire. Let's let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. Quite it big. was it was a mess. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a hot mess. But the silver lining was, um, you know, and they went over schedule by like a hundred days or something like that, and obviously way over budget. Uh, but the thing with the sharks not working actually ended up being a silver lining uh, because Spielberg then had to be very uh, creative with the shots so that you would only see things like maybe the wind coming out of the water um, or, you know, like the opening shot of the gal, you know, they hook you know, tied ropes to her legs or something and just yanked her down you know uh, mm-hmm. so you see her being pulled under the water without actually seeing a shark grabbing her so it's kind of like the uh, shower scene in Psycho where mm-hmm. if you actually watch it broken down like slowed down which actually mm-hmm. there's a documentary um, about that on I forget what streaming service um, just about essentially the shower scene in Psycho um, where you think you see a lot more than you actually do. Yeah. And Spielberg did, took that idea and ran with it with this so that, you know, people, the, you know, mm-hmm. intent, you know, not showing is way more terrifying in some this cases is, this is that true. actually like straight up just like gore you know yeah mm-hmm. uh and I, I will you know use the example of my one of my favorite doctor who episodes midnight um mm-hmm. you never see the monster and you never nope. like it's all just yeah it, it's all you know suspense and and effects and sounds and and the the, the acting and it's just it's creepy and it's very well done. So I don't mind that kind of horror when they're like, oh no, like you'd never see the thing. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are there are people for when like Psycho was released that they were like, Oh my god, you know, I can't believe that he showed her getting stabbed like that. And it's like, Yeah, no, you never actually see her get stabbed. The knife never actually enters her body. <laughs> in any of the shots, <laughs> so so yeah, it's kind of the kind of the same thing. So, um, which you know, between Spielberg going that route, um, um, that ended up being the best thing he could have done. That w- and uh, you know. John Williams' fantastic score 
that uh, that four million dollar movie that went over budget to nine million dollars ended up making four hundred seventy million dollars worldwide. Wow. Becoming essentially the first summer blockbuster movie. Paving the way for pretty much everything we've loved ever since. <laughs> so. Yeah. That was that was when it's like, oh yeah, movies. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And not just I don't know. I don't know what to what what the ex- It was a it was a it was a game changer. We'll just it say was. that. Yes, it really was. Um, so, um, so that, uh, kind of sent Steven Spielberg into a, uh, you know, <laughs> rocketing and for really like the next like 15, 20 years, <laughs> he was on a roll as far as, as far as being a director. Now, the thing is, the, the thing that's crazy is, a, you know, when you think Steven Spielberg, most people think director, you know, yeah. a great director. And yes, he is. I mean, he's one of the greatest directors of, you know, this kind of new modern golden age of cinema. Um, but uh, he's, uh, at least according to IMDb, he only has 57 director credits. He's actually done more as a producer and putting his knowledge and money and connections behind other people's directing. Um, And that started early on because in 1984, he founded Amblin Entertainment, which is a production company Mm -hmm. um, with uh, Frank Marshall and... uh, Kathleen Kennedy, of all people. Uh, well, um, if you if if you mm-hmm. were watching cartoons in the '90s and ever watched Tiny Toon Adventures mm-hmm. and uh, Animaniacs, and you mm-hmm. watched the credits, those you know Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall, Kathleen Kennedy. That was, and, and you know, and then when she took over for Lucasfilm, which I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I was like, wait, the Tiny Toons lady? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. Yep. So between 1984 and 1990, he has uh, either producer or executive producer credits on 19 feature films in a six-year period. And most of those movies were pretty successful. So we're talking things like The Goonies, The Money Pit, Joe versus the Volcano, Batteries Not Included, Back to the Future. Uh, yep. Kate Fear, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Harry and the Hendersons, Young Sherlock Holmes, um, and then yes, a lot of the cartoons that we grew up as ki- on, uh, on as kids: Tiny Toon Adventures, Animaniacs, Pinky the Brain, Freakazoid. Yep. So. They, they just yeah. Which yeah, because I think a lot of people can you know they get confused and they say oh you know. Steven Spielberg's name is on that, so that way that that means he must have made it. He must have directed. It. Like, well, there's a difference between directing and producing, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. So it's it's kind of it's it, it's it's a problem that Nightmare Before Christmas runs into. That yeah, Tim Burton wrote it and produced it. He did not direct it. Henry mm-hmm. Henry, Henry Selleck did. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's another tangent. 
Yeah. <laughs> but yes, directing and producing, not the same. Yeah. Yeah, but when a, a film wins Best Picture, the producer's who it, the, the statue goes to. Yes. So. Yes, that is that is true. Yeah. Uh, in 1987, he shot the first American film in Shanghai since the 1930s. That was the film Empire of the Sun, starring a very young Christian Bale. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, I mean, uh, he, even while he's, uh, you know, producing quite a bit, he's obviously still directing, uh, you know, because after Jaws, you know, he does Close Encounters of the Third Kind, India, the first Indiana Jones movie. E.T., um, Temple of Doom, uh, The Color Purple, uh, Empire of the Sun, Last Crusade, Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Lost World, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, yeah. And that's just getting you to, like, the year 2000. Uh, <laughs> so, um, um it's uh, I'll have it linked on the show notes. There's a a, a um, interview with him from 1992, um, and the interviewer asks him at that point, you know, whether he's upset if he's, you know, that he's never won a uh, directing Oscar, and he's like, no, not really. Um, and then that was 92, and actually the next year he would end up winning his first directing. Oscar for Schindler's List. <laughs> so, speak it into existence, I guess. The Oscar goes to, this is a big surprise, yes. Steven Spielberg for Schindler's List. Actually, uh, I have friends who have won this before, <laughs> but, and I swear, I have never held one before. This is the first time I've ever had one of these in my hand. So, <clears throat> uh, oh, dear. Um, let me just start by saying that this never could have happened, this never could have gotten started, without a survivor named Poldick Pfefferberg, who Oscar Schindler saved from Auschwitz, from Belsen. He's the man, he's the man who talked Thomas Keneally into writing the book. I owe him such a debt, all of us owe him such a debt. He has carried 
the story of Oscar Schindler to all of us, a, complete, a man of complete obscurity who makes us wish and hope for Oscar Schindler's in all of our lives. I have to thank, I want to thank Sid Scheinberg for giving me the book. Thank you, Sid. I want to, th um, I want to st thank Steve Zalian for a screenplay of inordinate restraint. I have great actors in this movie. Liam, thank you. Rafe, thank you. Ben Kingsley, thank you. I want to thank my wife, who's here with me tonight, for rescuing me 92 days in a row in Krakow, Poland last winter, when things got just too unbearable. And my mom, who's here, who is my lucky charm, whom I love very, very much. And, and to the six million who, who can't be watching this among the one billion watching this telecast tonight. Yeah, um, which Schindler's List, uh, going back to um, his family connections to the Holocaust um, and you know, um, how close um, he, he feels uh, to that. You know, it's a very personal thing for him. Um, and Schindler's List had actually been on the back burner for like 10 years. Um, it was something he always wanted to make, but he never felt that he was mature enough to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until he actually had his first kid, um, and became what he called a Jewish dad, <laughs> um, that, uh, he, he realized that, it, yeah, this is, it, it's time, you know quote Rafiki in the Lion King. It is time. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and yeah, you know, uh, Schindler's List ends up going to win Best Picture. So we'll be covering that on Gold Standard when we get there. Um, and he does win his first directing Oscar. Um, and then he ends up using some of the um, uh, profits to start a nonprofit organization called uh, the, at the time it was just called the Shoah Foundation. Um, it is now the USC Shoah Foundation, the Institute for Visual History and Education. Um, and their kind of thing is uh, to um, create audio and visual records uh, with inter uh, of interviews with survivors and witnesses of the Holocaust. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> so to create kind of a comprehensive uh, record of it. So and Shoah is the Hebrew word for Holocaust. Okay. It's a name. So. Um, so, yeah, and then in 1994, uh, he took a small break from directing to spend time with his family. You know, he just had his first kid um, and to set up, which uh, at the time was actually like the first new film studio in quite a long time. Like we've got production companies, which are one thing, and then film studios, which are, a, you know, a whole other thing. Um, you've probably heard of it. 
Uh, it's called DreamWorks. Uh, he founded mm -hmm. it with uh, David Geffen and the little weasel Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you look at if you remember the DreamWorks logo, it comes up, and then there's these three letters SKG. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid, like mm -hmm. I don't know what that Spielberg, means. Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen. Yes. Yep. Yep. So yeah, and. Um, so those those three founded DreamWorks um, started off on the right foot with financial investments from Paul Allen and Bill Gates, the founders of Microsoft. <laughs> Which is funny because Pixar was, well, I don't know if it was, Steve Jobs was a big deal with Pixar. Yes. <laughs> and he, mm -hmm. you know, Apple. And, you know, you probably remember if you are of a certain age, the... Uh, the, the rivalry, so to speak, between Apple and Microsoft, which I suppose continues now, but not as vehement as it was back then. Yeah. So that amuses me that Bill Gates was involved with DreamWorks and Steve Jobs was involved with Pixar. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you consider some of the movies that DreamWorks released early on. Yes. Because Katzenberg knew that that's what Pixar was making. So, like, we got a bug's life. They made ants. I know. I, like, I remember uh, one year we went, you know, we were, we were going to the theaters. It wasn't in the, the town that we normally go to. We, you know, went around the mountain to come into the Salt Lake Valley and go to one of the bigger theaters here. And... I just remember walking up the, you know, the ramp to go to where the, you know, from the lobby to the, you know, actual theaters. And there was like, there was a poster, there was a stand up for ants and one for a bug's life. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Mm hmm. Almost like, pretty much similar storyline. Yes. I mean, and for a while, it kind of seemed like Pixar and, and DreamWorks were sort of mirroring each other mm -hmm. um in, in it's like katzenberg didn't even try to hide that he no. was stealing ideas no. from his former he, employer not, not <laughs> at all and you know and, like and i said he's a weasel yeah and obviously shrek is you know they lampoon disney all the all the disney stuff yeah but at the same time then disney you know later made fun of them made fun of themselves with enchanted so you know whatever course now i don't know dreamworks and netflix are buddies yeah and they're making shows so okay whatever yep yep so uh so yeah so yeah dreamworks they do their thing um you know he uh and kind of been just doing, you know, his his thing, um, ever since, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, producing, directing, um, you know, winning all all the things. Yeah, you know, he's he's won best director, um, twice. Yes, he's won Best Director twice, Best Picture once, uh, was Schindler's List, uh, and then he also won Best Director for Saving Private Ryan, although it did not win that year, because it lost to freaking Shakespeare in Love. Uh, again, we will get to that. 
Uh, <laughs> forgetting Shakespeare in love was a thing, but everyone knows that Saving Private Ryan is yeah, yeah. awesome. Wow. Anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, and he's he's still at it, you know. <laughs> so, um, there's uh, no did, sign of a of retiring. No. No shine of of stopping. What? Oh, excuse me. Um, so ever. Um, so it you know he still does stuff with uh, TV as well. So uh, at least producing for for TV. So um, you know he did Band of Brothers. So among other things. Um, I guess technically he was a producer for ER <laughs> for a while there. So uh, sure. <laughs> why not? Uh, he's done work in video games. Apparently he's a huge gamer, apparently. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, when he's, yeah, if, if he's not busy enough being a director and producer and, you know, being an influence to up and coming directors, um, his his seven kids keep him busy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, his first wife, Amy Irving, uh, they met in 1976 when she auditioned for Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, they were together from 76 to 79, and then they broke up. But they got back to uh, they reunited in 1984, and then married in November of 85. Um, and then they had their son Max. Um, and uh, then they divorced in 1989. Um, and then he met his second and still current wife, uh, still with uh, Kate Capshaw. AKA Winnie from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is where they met. Probably the best thing to come out of that movie, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Considering they're still together. Uh, so they married in October of 1991. Um, Kate actually converted to Judaism before they got married. Um, and she said that, or uh, Spielberg has actually said that that actually kind of reignited his love being Jewish, uh, he'd become kind of uh, ambivalent about it uh, for a while there. Um, so yeah, she did the whole thing like the entire year before, doing all the studying and did the full conversion before they got married. Um, uh, so uh, cool. he, he said he credits her for the family's level of, of observance. He says, this shishka goddess has made me a better Jew than my own parents. <laughs> you know, that kind of tends to happen, I've noticed. Just, you know, religious, in religious traditions yeah. in general. And it's it's sort of like, you know, once you get your own family, you're kind of like, you know, if you were indifferent before, then you're like, oh, uh, yeah. This is, you know, what I want my kids to do, so I better shape up and do it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. Yep. Yep. So he has his he had his son Max with his first wife. Uh Kate already had a daughter, Jessica, from a previous relationship. So they came into it with a kid apiece. Um, and then they proceeded to have 
uh, Sasha in 1990, Sawyer in 1992, and Destry in 1996. And then they've adopted two kids, uh, Theo and Michaela. So seven kids. (laughs) Um, It hasn't been all uh, fun in games, unfortunately. Uh, Apparently in 1997, uh, a man named Jonathan Norman um, was stalking Spielberg Ah. and tried to break into the house. Uh, Norman got put away in jail for 25 years. Good. Um, and then he had another stalker in 2001, a woman named Diana, who accused him and Jennifer Love Hewitt, of all people, uh, for, uh, she, she accused both of them of installing a mind control device in her brain and being part of a satanic cult. Oh, my. She uh, was committed to a mental institution (laughs) Uh, and pled guilty to stalking. She has since been released on probation with the condition that she has no contact with either Spielberg or Jennifer LaFuette. But, you know, when you're you're wildly successful and popular and people know your name, you tend to attract the weirdos. Yeah, you attract attention and not all of it's pleasant. Um, so, uh, but all things considering, uh, it hasn't been too bad, uh, you know, um, you know, he's, he's one of the most commercially successful film directors in history. Um, in 1996, Life Magazine named him the most influential person of his generation. Um, in 2003, Premier Magazine ranked him first in a list of hundred most powerful people in movies. Uh, 2005 Empire Magazine ranked him number one on the list of the greatest film directors of all time. Uh, 2013 Time Magazine listed him as one of the 100 most important people of the century. Um, uh, as of 2020, Forbes estimates his net worth at $3.7 billion. Yep. Way to go. Not not bad, not bad for a kid who's, you know, dad fixed TVs for a living. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he's got three Academy Awards. Uh, he's received seven nominations for Best Director, does one twice. Um, he was, uh, in 87, he was awarded the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award for his work as a creative producer. Um, he helped the Boy Scouts develop a cinematography uh merit badge <laughs> so um well given given that he kind of got his start with you know a boy scout merit badge mm-hmm. he got the afi lifetime achievement award in 1995 uh medal of for distinguished public service in 1999 uh, Lifetime Achievement Award from the DGA, the Directors Guild of America. He got his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2003. Oh, he's got his uh, Prince outside Grauman's Chinese Theater. 
So all the things. All the things. Uh, he's his uh, honorary knight commander of the Order of the British Empire by Queen Elizabeth II as of 2001. So yeah, he's uh he done good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He done good, and there's, 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 and like I said, he shows no signs of of stopping. So, you know, he's got, uh, like I said, we've got um, his uh, version of West Side Story getting ready to be released, um, and then uh, as far as directing goes. Um, right now on the docket, it's, he's got a film called The Fablemans that apparently is going to be semi-autobiographical. Okay. Oh, it's probably something, well, just going by the title, something about storytelling, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds good, so. Yep. And of course, that other, uh, the next Indiana Jones film he is producing. So, yes, <coughs> whenever that gets uh, not yeah. delayed, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you know. Plus, you know, he 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 pops up all over the place too. I mean, his mm-hmm. you, you can't discount his just pop culture reach. Um, you know, the the people that he has influenced um you know as as directors themselves you know yeah the the little bit at the beginning you know where Mm -hmm. he gets name dropped in a simpsons episode and then he's not available so mr burns hires his non-union mexican equivalent senor spielbergo uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's a uh, epic rap battles of history. It's Steven Spielberg versus Alfred Hitchcock. Epic rap battles of history. Steven Spielberg versus Alfred Hitchcock. Picture a child sitting next to a projector, learning from your films to become a much better director. Now picture a three billion dollar dream machine who can block us all over your crop just to see. Try to do with me, Alfred. You must be psycho I'll bring back jaws to take a bite of your lifeboat I'm always so on top of my game I get the vertigo My jet's in the terminal Waiting for me to murder you I rock the Academy and the DGA You rock as many Oscars as that slap Michael Bay Time you're filling up those jowls With three steaks and souffle Check the trade, see me amble to my next big play I produce cartoons and make games for all ages You produce Jimmy Stewart making one of two faces Maybe next time I visit you'll be a bit more gracious I'll kiss my full moon and just bask in my greatness a close encounter of the third kind. Which is one of my favorites, actually. Yes. Uh, ends up turning into a five-way rap battle uh, by the end. <laughs> uh, so he makes a cameo appearance in the Michael Jackson uh, music video for uh, Liberian Girl, which is just wall-to-wall celebrities. Uh, so um, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's just all over the place. I, I'll there's a link in the show notes to an SNL digital short where he directs Laser Cat Seven, which Laser Cat the, that Laser Cat Sullivan Seven itself contains a lot of Steven Spielberg related Easter eggs. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and I'm even thinking. I mean, yes, um, he he was you know he produced Animaniacs, but I'm just thinking of I don't know if you ever played the the video game, the Animaniacs video game for SNES, um, the 
the premise is, you know, you you have to find Pinky and the Brain have stolen all of the 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 scenes from the script of the you know the latest Warner Brothers movie and the Animaniacs have to go the you know Wiyako and Dot have to go find it. Well, you go through all you know you go through all the studios, and and you you know you sneak onto all these sets of different things, and it's like it's like there are so many Steven Spielberg movie references, like the sci-fi stage has close encounters and um there's a bit with you know you you fly up into the air and you silhouette on the moon that's obviously an et thing the aquatic stage there's uh there's jaws and uh who else what else there indiana jones is a big one in the adventure scene and and it's just like spielberg reference after spielberg reference and it's just it's wild and i'm just because I, I i recently like picked it up again and i'm like holy crap i forgot how like how many just references are there which you know in the show there were spielberg references there too but it's just it's just and not just there in, in other shows you know there's there's just you know so many nods to his work whether it's you know, to him specifically, or to, you know, things that he's done that are well known and, and on all these things. And, and quite frankly, it's like, whether, you know, you know, I, I haven't seen everything he's, he's ever done, but the ones I have seen, they have made, you know, I remember them and they've made an impact. And I mean, good grief, he, you know, he produced, you know, or you know he was involved with you know back to the future it's one of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. which is you know it's just you know for 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 people of our generation yeah he his movies are kind of those are a the big ones deal grew up on yeah <laughs> i mean et scared the crap out of me when i was four and i still can't watch it which is really weird to say because everyone's like oh it's so sweet and so cute and so this and this like uh-uh nope <laughs> I, I can't stand it when he pops out of the cornfield i hate it when you know he's hiding in the closet with all the dolls and i hate it when elliot finds him and he's like all you know white and pasty and dying and then you know all the the creepy the, the, the creepy people and all their um their the hazmat feds. Suit, yeah, <laughs> feds and, and all that stuff and i'm like so yeah I, i'm kind of a wimp that way and i will freely admit it but it's like you know, but it it garnered a reaction out of me. Mm-hmm. To this day, I haven't watched it in I don't know how many years, but it's you know, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And every time someone brings it up, it's like I can't watch that movie. It scared it scared me so bad. So yeah, laugh at me. I don't care. <laughs> hey, you know, we all have our childhood film trauma. Mm-hmm. from something yes it just it just kind of makes me laugh and i'm like it's supposed to be a really cute and you know heartwarming endearing movie and i'm like eh, no <laughs> and no it's like spielberg you traumatized me yeah, yeah he, he knows it too that's yes, the thing oh man but yeah so you know all those you know director credits and awards and i mean i'm and now that i'm like thinking of it I'm like i know he's probably had some turkeys in there somewhere because you oh, can't be yeah. that you can't be that prolific and not have a few like flop 
Yeah. But now I can't think of any of them that have flopped that were mm-hmm. hits. I'm, I don't know. If I went to Wikipedia, I'd be like, yay, that's 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 the one. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. It was kind of whatever. Yeah. I mean, they're not all going to be blockbusters, but no. you know, if you're talking about just like box office, yeah, not all of them are going to be Jaws or Indiana Jones, but I mean... Even the not, I guess is, you know, obviously that the unnamed, you know, the Indiana Jones movie we should, we will not name. Uh, okay, yeah, that one, that one I just. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it, but I guess his version of War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise isn't that good. It's okay. So, watch but. bits and pieces of it. Now, if I remember yeah. right. Hook didn't do great at the box office when it was in theaters. No. But it's it's one of those, it's like you know, if you grew up with it and of course, you know, Robin Williams is, is in it, so that yeah. makes a difference. Um, but it's one of those that, like, you, that, that we all remember fondly because, you know, it's the Peter Pan story, but it's a different version of it. And yeah. Robin Williams is playing Peter Pan because, hello, that's like absolute perfect cast. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't Robin Williams play Peter Pan? Yeah. Um, and it's just you know, it's like so. So what if it didn't make a gazillion dollars at the box office? It's still one of those that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Also, Dante Bosco nev- doesn't age. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, he doesn't. I follow him on TikTok. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I recently, there was a, a fanscription that did, like, what if there was a Hook sequel? Or no. Well, like, like what if what if Rufio didn't die in the movie and you ended up with a sequel? And I'm like, it's like, man, I wish they could do that now. <laughs> but I don't think they could. Yeah. But it was still interesting. So that one kind of kind of fresh on my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, keep on trucking there, Mr. Mm-hmm. Spielberg, yeah. yeah. I mean, this day and age, 75, that, I mean, that doesn't mean nothing. No, <laughs> so. yeah. Although, I, I always, it always makes me chuckle when I see Back to the Future, and they're like, you know, you, when, well, okay, back, it's part two, and he goes, you know, in, in, in 2015, uh-huh. Um, and you know he's outside the movie theater, and Jaws is Jaws what fourteen or something is playing yeah. in three D, directed by Max Spielberg. Yes, uh, that always. I don't know if Max has any inclinations or has actually directed anything, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I kind of wonder <laughs> like if your if your dad is Steven Spielberg, and you're like, I want it because you know yeah. even if you I don't, do one of his daughters is like a musician, <laughs> so. Well, and I, I wonder if, like, you know, even if you wanted to go into directing, you would always be compared to your dad. And holy cow, who wants to be compared to Steven Spielberg? Yeah, mm-hmm. right, at, right out of the gate. So uh, that that may be a thing. Like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Yeah. So cool. So, yeah. So keep on trucking. 
Mr. Spielberg, and we'll keep on watching. I hope you have a nice 75th birthday. Yes, happy <laughs> birthday and too many more to come. Well, anything else we want to comment on? Is that... Nope. So if uh, any of our listeners want to chime in with their favorite Spielberg movie, show, moment, whatever, or just any topic that we've covered, you know, the news or what what have you in this podcast, you may send us some feedback. Our email address is fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. You can also send us, uh, or you can also visit our website, which is thefiveishfangirls.com. You can also send us comments through the website or on our Facebook page, or Instagram, or YouTube, links of which can be found at our website. And uh, you can also find ways to support the show, however you wish to support the podcast. And of course, we always, always want to thank our listeners and our supporters and everybody out there for, well, your support, because that's what helps keeps us going. And we're glad that you enjoy what we do enough to support us so Mm -hmm. and for those who are traveling this week thanksgiving be safe uh drive safe watch the road watch for deer watch for cows watch for idiots Mm -hmm. i don't know what's that (laughs) i don't know what's in your neck of the woods but that's what i encounter on my drive so but enjoy enjoy the holiday however you are celebrating with family or friends or whatever so Mm -hmm. yes and we are all thankful for you. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. Be careful if you're uh, going out shopping and uh, make sure to wear your stretchy pants when you go to eat. <laughs> yes. Oh, have you guys seen the, the Carrie Underwood video of that, of that song? I don't really like Carrie Underwood that much, but she has a song called Stretchy Pants. Oh. And there's a video that goes with it. <laughs> and it is so funny i'll have to find it and 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 share it with the class because i okay i laughed so hard i don't even know well no i know why it popped up on my on my list but it's just like oh my gosh this is the best (laughs) so anyway yeah that you know there's your little ps go search carrie underwood stretchy pants (laughs) (laughs) it's a good one perfect perfect timing yep all right well in that note we shall sign off for this week this is chrissy saying good night from salt lake city this is holly from wisconsin saying good evening and this is rachel in indianapolis indiana i will leave you with this quote from the man himself sometimes a dream almost whispers it never shouts very hard to hear so you have to every day of your lives Be ready to hear what whispers in your ear. You have been listening to the Five-ish Fangirls podcast. You can find more episodes and information at thefiveishfangirls.com. Any and all books, movies, games, and any other forms of media mentioned are owned and operated by the respective copyright holders. 
No copyright infringement is intended or implied. If you wish to support the show, the easiest way is to leave us a rating and review. More ratings and reviews will make it easier for others to find the show. If you wish to support us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash fiveishfangirlspodcast. All money goes towards fees and equipment to keep the show going. For official Five-ish Fangirls merchandise, visit redbubble.com slash people slash fiveishfangirls. We love hearing from our listeners and encourage feedback. You can email us at fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. You can also like and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fiveishfangirls. Thank you so much for listening and may the squee be with you. Mm-hmm.